I try not to piss off the drummers because I know it is a very te- <laughs> it is a very technical thing to know how to do. And trust me, as a keyboard player, the last person you want to piss off is the drummer. Um, you know, the lead singer, you, they're fine. You know, but the, if the drummer make, is mad at you, then you're in trouble. All right. Doug, Doug Helvering. Yeah, doctor. This guy's quite uh, accomplished, isn't he? He is. Goodness gracious. Yes. Way too classy for our show, I think. <laughs> yeah. Is my uh, lighting okay in here, or do, it, do I look like a corpse? Because I really hated my lighting in the Ralph Cheapers, and I look, I look like The Walking Dead. Well, you generally look like a corpse. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you expect. <laughs> can't work miracles here i just got a comment on our youtube from a guy named tim mc tim mc on the david defay video he says holy fuck great catch oh nice I, all right nice all right should be uh doug here any moment I haven't it heard looks like he has a lot of does a lot of work with the church and stuff. So you better watch right. your language, Mark. Yeah, I know. I know. Watch, watch your f bombs, pal. Hello, Doctor <laughs> Helvering. How are you? Hey, y'all. Hello. Hey. Hello, sir. Hey, Doug. Great to meet you. I found I the right Zoom. Yes, Hi. you did. We're Hi. here. Excellent. We are, we are virtually connected. Yes. Good. I saw your live uh, your live stream earlier. It had that cool beret on. So yeah, cool deal. That means, like a, it. It, that means on a that means on a Sunday it. I did not do my hair. So <laughs> there you go. Nice. Nice. that's all I do on Sunday, as you could. You know. Yeah, yeah. He's, it's his hair day. Yes, yeah. exactly. Greetings. This is David DePay from Burgess Jail, and you are listening to Heavy Metal Horror. Stay tuned for more metal and horror. Yow. I am Montag, Master of Illusion. What goes up must come down, but not always. Hey, I'm Chop Top, and this one's gonna be heavy. <laughs> and Dreadful. And you are listening to Heavy, heavy Metal. Alright. <laughs> oh, tonight. Well done, Doug. Well yes. Done. Thank tonight, you very kiddies. much. Thank you. We have a wonderful guest tonight, Dr. Doug Helvering. Boy, we are so glad that you came on our show. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invitation. So just up front, I found you on YouTube because I became a fan of your music reaction videos, and we're going to talk about that. But that's that's how I came across, you know, and I just... I love that your take, how different it is from the other music reaction videos. So I'm excited to learn more about that. I think we all are. So, sure. But I think this, the first question we all want to ask is, where did your love of music come from? Oh, man. Um, <clears throat> you know, I didn't grow up in a musical family. My, my parents uh, are both relatively musically illiterate. Uh, they do like some things, but you know, I didn't grow up in a household that that listened to a lot of music, popular or classical, really. It, we, there just wasn't a, we were a sports family, so that we were just busy doing that stuff, and whatever we could catch on the radio, we caught. But when I moved, our family moved to Omaha, Nebraska, when I was in the eighth grade, or going into the eighth grade, and I remember just sitting down with the guidance counselor 
and then it's like going through what my um, like schedule was going to be for that year. And the choir director happened to walk through and said, Hey, you should be uh, in choir, take choir. You don't need to study hall. You should take choir. I'm like, I have never sang in my life and I have known nothing about music. And he said, well, in the eighth grade choir this year, we have like 35 girls and like six or seven boys. I'm like, what time is choir? <laughs> and it was, it was, it was a great way to, to meet new friends. It was, uh, it was the scariest thing uh, that I had ever tried. Um, you know, getting, a, you know, standing near other people and opening your mouth and trying to match pitch, that sort of thing. But it became the hardest thing that I ever tried. But the, the I kept trying to figure out what is it about this? So I just fell into just keep coming back to it because it was so damn interesting to me. Like, how does this work? Uh, I would go to a, a piano, never had, you know, music lessons or anything and f- said, well, if that sounds like that, you know, if I go from this this note to this note, well, that's the same number of notes different from this note to this note. And what if I play this and play this and start just figuring out um, from like just um, patterns. And it was just, so, oh, I can create sounds. This is pretty cool. And so throughout high school, I, uh, I maintained doing sports, but I always kept the music stuff on the side. And by the time I got to my senior year, I was almost more of a, of a music kid than I was a sports kid. Uh, having uh, pretty bad uh, injuries didn't hurt. Um, well, it did hurt at the time, but it, <laughs> but it, it, you know, by the, so the, by the time I got into college, I wanted to keep doing music uh, or singing in the choir because I really enjoyed it. And, you know, like into the first year of school, I wasn't a music major and all my friends that were in choir was, they were doing their theory homework and I could figure it out faster than they could. And they're like, you know, you need to either shut up or join the music department. So I did. And it's just become a wild ride ever since. And uh, my, my love of, of the art form has just grown and grown and grown. And uh, especially this year, I figured out there's a lot of musicians that I had no idea existed. <laughs> and I'm trying to catch up. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. You kind of touched on what was going to be my next question was like, what about musical theory and composition appeals to you? Like, I love that you're self-taught you know, no musical background, self-taught, but to move on to composition and theory, that's a whole other level. So there, well, there I was, I was self-taught in, in like high school, but I did end up go. So I did 10 years of, of academic study in music. So my doctoral degree is in music composition. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a puzzle builder. I love puzzles. I love crosswords. I love anything that involves like intersecting like pieces or ideas and, and music was like, oh, these are building blocks and they're oh. sonic building blocks. And I can move that over there and this over there and create a whole new sound. And that's that's pretty neat. How did this guy do it? How did that guy do it? And it just became what, um, you know, possesses your day. And uh, because I think I was further behind in terms of my um, um awareness of all this music that was already out there than a bunch of my friends, I was always playing catch up. So the way that I was able to uh, make a name for myself among my peers was to create my own sounds. And I ended up doing that. That was also right around the time where desktop desktop publishing for uh, like computer notation, music notation was was new and and available to us and i learned that software and uh it was just off to the races from there 
Okay. So that puzzle piece element, was that what your dissertation was on? Uh, my dissertation was the writing of a major work. Okay. Uh, my, my doctoral degree. So in music, we have a PhD, which is a, um, a research-based degree. Your thesis or dissertation would be like the writing of a book. Right. Uh, for me, I have a doctor of musical arts, a DMA, okay. and that's a performance-based degree. So as a composer, my, um, my seminal work was the writing uh, specifically of a Requiem Mass. Okay. I wrote it's it's oh, it's nice. it's a it's a forty minute nine movement work in two versions for both it's choir and orchestra or choir and organ, and and there's an accompanying um, you know, write up about it uh, and uh, yeah it's in the library at, at the University of Kansas. Wow, is this what got yeah. played at our at Carnegie? I saw this in your bio on YouTube. No, no. Uh, that one didn't. Uh, actually, I had it was uh, I've had some pieces at, at Carnegie, uh, but. Uh, the one, my, my first one was a short form uh, acapella piece. Uh, Carnegie Hall does a bunch of like regular subscription concerts where like big name uh, performance organizations use the hall, but they also partner with organizations in New York that bring in a bunch of scholastic uh, and community organizations from around uh, the world and bring them to New York. They get to hang out in New York for a few days, see the sights, do rehearsals, and then give a concert at Carnegie, like on a Monday night when nobody else would be in there. And so some of the pieces that I've had on have been choirs that know my pieces that have uh, you know included them on their programs when they've sang at Carnegie. Cool. Yeah. It's the coolest stage ever, though, <laughs> guys. Just being on that, it's, it's a life-altering experience. And I've gotten to perform on that stage uh like half a dozen times i think wow um, it's it's an amazing 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 time every time that's awesome yeah can you tell us a little bit about your work at westminster choir college sure um i got my dma in 2008 and it was right as the economy was tanking right and so i was like i'm going to get a job i'm going to be a university teacher and then and no universities were, were hiring uh, during that time. And so it was a little bit of a bumpy ro uh, road to get started, but I had gone to Westminster uh, for my master's program and I reached, reached out to some of my uh, former professors there and said, Hey, do you guys have any work? And they said, yes, we do. You can come out. So I was an adjunct or a, a part-timer in the theory and comp department for 10 years, uh, maybe 11 uh, before uh, I ended up moving on. From that, uh, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful school, and um, just one of the more unique uh, academic places to be on the planet. Nice. It's really cool. So, your work in the as the music minister at Peace Lutheran Church is that because you live in New Jersey, or did you move to New Jersey to get that position? Well, when we I started doing uh, church uh, uh, music. Uh, work when I was in Kansas when, while I was doing my doctorate, just as a way to have uh, a side uh, gig. And I got the opportunity to uh, select repertoire, direct the choir, and we did handbells and we did a whole bunch of different things. It was really cool. So when we moved to New Jersey to take the Westminster job, uh, that was part time, right? So I was trying to find, you know, something else to fill out my, my days. And, uh, this uh, Prince of Peace uh, Lutheran Church, which is not too far from Westminster, had a position open and I, I was able to get it. And I'm still there, actually. So I, I've been there since 2009. It's a wonderful little community. 
and we have a great time uh you know every sunday <laughs> we get to have new music every sunday so uh it's 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 a lovely um opportunity to uh to help them uh out as well that's cool i've i've watched several of the performances and and just kind of it's a very rich and complex or uh, you know vocal arrangements you know mm-hmm. it harkens back to something that i would have heard like in the like a baroque ages or these kinds of things so it seems like these sensibilities you know you're you're kind of continuing in these traditions sure you know? and which i think is is kind of awesome um that's why i want to ask you what your creative process is like when i'm writing a new when i'm writing a new piece so it's uh, it's a little bit different for every piece, but if I can uh, set as many sort of parameters for like some scaffolding as I can, then it makes the process that much uh, more quick. Like for instance, if if I get approached by somebody who wants to commission a piece uh, for their choir, let's say I'm like, okay, uh, can I can I hear a recording? How good is your choir? Um, like what you know. What can they do? What can't they do? Are we talking um, something, a major work, like 20 minutes, 40 minutes, five minutes? <laughs> um, is it secular? Is it sacred? Does it, you know, do you need it just with piano or do you, are you looking full orchestra or somewhere in between? You know, sometimes we will talk about uh, the text that they want to use uh, uh, because with choirs, normally you need language, you know, unless you're doing something that's a little bit more avant-garde. Uh, so for me, it's, it's trying to set that level. And then I also am thinking, because it's part of my career, uh, what's the market going to be for this piece after this commission? So if I'm writing a piece for um, a high school choir, uh, I will make choices for them with where the ranges are. Uh, that is different than what I might do for a professional choir or a middle school choir. Right. Um, I might help them more with the accompaniment uh, to help find pitches uh, and make it a little bit more attainable than I might do with a collegiate group where the piano might be a complete, you know, if there's four different voice parts and the piano might be a completely fifth different instrument uh, instead of just doubling some other things that the choir is doing. So it's it's every single project is sort of a singular thing that once it gets done, you wrap that up and you go on and it's the result of answering all of those types of questions. And the more questions you ask, the, the more answers you get. And then by the time you get to the end, you have a piece. And, uh, you know, the, the way that a composer starts asking those questions of him or herself, how that composer tends to answer those becomes that composer's style or sort of sound it's it's uh, oh that sounds like mozart or oh that sounds like bach it's like well they're solving similar problems but in different ways same thing with with uh, bands you know and and all of these uh you know rock groups and metal groups you know those songs have to be written as well like what what chord progressions are they used to going to what keys do they like to play in you know what rhythms do they like to to bring out everybody has a slightly different way of answering how do i want to make this particular song or this set of lyrics be represented and then they just answer that to the best that they can and you end up with the piece you know doug along those same lines one of my questions is have you reviewed i've watched a lot of your reviews obviously and stuff have you had the opportunity to review any like death metal or black metal bands and you know find any kind of you know like patterns musical significance i mean it's all music 
Sure. Uh, I'm not a big black metal fan. Uh, I'll just say it's just not my repertoire. I do like some death metal and stuff, but I do appreciate the technicality of some of the instrumentation and stuff. I, goes I don't think that I've gotten much into that. And, and to me, uh, I'm like, well, I, I've heard some pretty heavy like Tool and Opeth and, Opeth, yeah. and uh, but some of Opeth's stuff is really soft and melodic and really mm -hmm. wonderful. So they have a pretty big range, you know, as far as like the really heavy stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh, there was one. Now I can't remember it. Um, it was on a video game. It was like one of those uh, like really fast guitar hero songs. And I was like, oh, this is nuts. Dragon Force. I'll be <laughs> Dragon, Dragon Force. Dragon Force. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Like somebody like dared me to do it. And I'm like, all right, fine. And then I'm, I listened to it. I had to like pull my, my headphone off my ear. I'm like, good Lord. <laughs> yeah, that song's insane. Yeah, that is. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's but, great. Uh, before we stray too far into the, we'll get into all the music stuff that you do uh sure. as far as like making a career out of your degrees mm. i think you teach right and do freelance and is there anything that you dream about doing with your degrees uh, movie Ooh. scores or is there like a dream job out there that you are you doing it right now well what i'm doing I, I will answer the first part my dream thing the thing that i've always wanted to do that i've never had the ability or the opportunity to do would be to like uh write music for my own sort of choral album and then hire the singers that I want to hire and the recording engineer that I want to hire and, and make an album. It's almost like my own personal Arion. Uh, yeah. I was just going to say Arion. Like, or like Aventasia, right? If I could do that with my choral music, I would be very excited. Uh, I've had some small snippets of that where I've gotten in with some really fantastic musicians uh, who have done some, some stuff of mine. And um but being able like to conduct it myself mm. and, and say, I like your voice. I like your voice. I like, and I think we'd work well together and just mm. hire everybody and come together and, and, and do a session would be just really, really fun. The YouTube stuff is unexpected. And I, like people ask me, how did you do that? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> if, if, if I, if I would have known I could do this, I would have done this several <laughs> years ago. Mm -hmm. It was just one of these things where, you know, when COVID came about and I wasn't able to continue teaching uh, because of COVID stuff and because the, the college that I was going, that I was at Westminster is going through a pretty major um, generational transition and the, the enrollment is kind of up and down and part-timers like me get kind of like tossed away uh, when, when the enrollment drops. Mm -hmm. So I was left kind of without a teaching gig. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, because I haven't been in the private sector for, you know, a dozen years. Mm. And so I started doing a vlog because I was bored and needed something positive to do with my day. And it wasn't even until like the 40 something episode, uh, where I did my first music reaction. I was, I, I as a rule, I tend to not like music reaction videos because I, uh, th they just seemed to me like if I wanted to listen to something, I don't need to hear somebody go, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Uh, but my brother is the one that really convinced me to start doing these. And I said, I don't like reaction videos. Why should I do those? He says, no, just, just talk, talk to your phone and tell them what the chords are and tell them why it works. 
trust me, they'll like it. I'm like, okay. So what I'm ended up doing is just doing play by play. It's exactly what I do in the classroom, except I'm not doing it to Schubert or Brahms. I'm doing it to Iron Maiden or, or Opeth or, or Metallica or, or, you know, Genesis or what have you. And um, it's just something that I've gotten used to doing over the years uh, because we never have enough time to, go like stop a song break it down stop a song break it down we gotta get, you got this song you got this piece you got this piece so i'm used to just speaking in the margins of a piece going did you hear that did you hear that that we're gonna that, gotcha. that'll be on the test later you know mm-hmm. and it's just a skill that uh when you stand up and you don't have any second takes as a teacher in front of a classroom you just get used to just winging it and it becomes like this odd skill that I have. So when I started doing it on YouTube, it became this fun little thing. And thankfully people have connected with it and uh, it's, it's, it's really taken off this year. Yeah. And that's, that's what kind of sets you apart uh, uh, from, you know, the, the general run of the mill sort of reaction people is you've, you've got that musical background that you can break every piece down. Uh, There's another guy shred that does uh, similar things, you know, Mm. and it's really, and like you broke out a lot of, uh, uh, music from Dream Theater, my personal favorite band. It's and, a great uh, band. Uh, oh yeah, I, I absolutely love those guys. I get to and, see them live for the first time oh, this th- this coming uh, no- November. I'm going oh. with my buddy who's a big Dream Theater fan, and uh, he's yes. played Dream Theater for me before in the past. And I was like, eh. but when I really gave it a critical listen, I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, these guys are 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 at the top of their game. They really are. You're yeah. going to be uh, really yeah. pleasantly surprised seeing them live too. Uh, um, there is tight life. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. I think you've reacted to some of their live stuff too. Yeah. So. It's, it's amazing to, mm-hmm. to watch them go. I think I interrupted your, your question though. Oh, I was yeah. just going to say for somebody like me who has listened to their songs, uh, thousands upon thousands of times over the years, uh, I watch your video and I get a whole deeper appreciation for what they're doing and what's going on. It's like watching a behind the scenes DVD of your favorite movie. You know, you really get to, to see the foundations of what's going on there sure. and all the, the theory that's involved in stuff. And I love that. It, it really gives me a, a kind of new ears to listen to music that I've listened to for years. And I appreciate cool. that. Awesome. Well, <laughs> thank much. you. One of yeah. the main things that I try to do is I try to look, uh, if there are lyrics, I try to look through and do almost a poetic analysis of the lyrics before I ever listen to the music. Uh, so I coming into these, I have an idea of what they're, going to say uh and and what their point of view is and generally what the topic is so i'm listen as i'm listening to the music and i hear oh it's going from that chord to that chord or they've got this weird little uh tritone toggle that's that's doing this then i can uh link that to a meaning in the lyric and say that's the musical um you know puzzle piece uh, that they're using to convey this. That's part of, of their musical language. And uh, I think of it as, uh, I said this earlier, like play-by-play. Play. You know, when you mm-hmm. watch a football game, uh, you can see it and you can hear it, but it's really a more profound experience listening to somebody who's also watching it saying, by the way, that just happened, and just name it, right? It's, yeah. it's just, oh, that happened, then that happened, then that happened. And, and you're like, yeah, that did happen. <laughs> <laughs> amazing uh so it's it, it's it, so it's like doing uh you know play by play in color commentary as the song goes by sure yeah it's kind of fun mm-hmm. and i must say are- oh uh, i must say you did a great job uh breaking down the really convoluted story of uh, uh the metropolis 
part one and two and the scene mm-hmm. through a memory. That's a really difficult story to follow. Did you get through you that did entire a good job? Did you get through that entire video? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. God, God bless you. Thing. That was, <laughs> yeah, I love those guys. A, I mean, that was an hour and 40 minute continuous take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I, I think I slept uh, all afternoon after I did that. <laughs> that was really, that was, that was a bear. But uh, to, to be honest, uh, I think I had heard a little bit of the, the, the opening score or the, uh, the overture. And I think I had heard some of dance of eternity off that before I had done it. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But I took, uh, I read through the script of that gotcha. and it really is a script, like a screenplay mm-hmm. uh, with all the different characters lined out multiple times uh, before I ever uh, dove in to listen to it. So it was almost gotcha. like reading uh, a recipe and then you're seeing the, you know, the thing uh, or hearing it being like made in front of you. And you're like, mm-hmm. Oh, there's that, there's that, there's that. And uh, I don't, if I didn't have that in front of me, I would have never come close to, to connecting some of those dots, but uh, it's very it's a prof- tough. It's a profound yeah. concept album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had some really nice tender moments in that. And of course their yeah. virtuosity shows through a uh, really cool, really cool album. And the fact that you sat down and took on that entire thing was like, kudos to you. I'm like, this is my new favorite guy yeah. right there. Well, but, that's, but- <laughs> that's part of what prompted me to start the Patreon is when, when I had come out with, I think it was Octavarium yep. mm-hmm. and and which is still in my top 10. It's one of my favorites that I've done uh, of all my, my reactions. And, and, and per, one person said, if he did Metropolis scenes from a memory, I'd pay for that. And I'm like, I'm going to hold you to that. And, and, and it's the Patreon. We started it back in like the, the, towards the end of uh, July, like the third week of July. And it, and the, the scenes from a memory was the first extended play that we did. Mm-hmm. So that's really what drove a lot of people to the Patreon uh, early on. And then the next one we did was uh, uh, Hemispheres by Rush, the entire album. And then we did this. Uh, we included Cygnus X1, uh, the first part from the previous album. Yeah. I think the next one we're going to do is is King Crimson's entire first album. Oof. All right. Oh, that's okay. going to come out on Wednesday. Yeah. <clears throat> While we're on the subject of Dream Theater, I would be I would kick myself if I didn't take this since I've got your ear exclusively. Sure. Uh, if you want to do another long one. Uh, they have a two disc set called six degrees of inner turbulence. Disc yeah. two is one song, 42 minutes of a nice, huge, if you want to dig into something, you know, so, feel free. A lot of people have been asking that uh, for that one. So um, it, how long is it a double CD then, or a double yeah, album? And disc two yeah. is just basically one song. So you so would, should we you would, just, I would do just do this too. Yeah. That's the six degrees of inner turbulence like song. Six different big, parts and stuff. Yeah, yeah broken down okay. into like six parts. A big suite, you know, yeah. like they did with Metropolis. So. The, the other really big one that people are wanting me to do over on Patreon is the double album from Genesis, uh, The Lamb Lies Down like on Broadway. Broadway. Yeah, yeah, it's like an yeah. hour and a half of music. I'm like, mm-hmm. y'all. <laughs> yeah, you open the you open the can of worms. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah. it's, it's, I'm gonna need more than water to get through that yeah. one for sure. Yeah, it, but, it, is, it is a spectacle. That album in particular, it is it is, uh, you know, it is like uh, seeing a production on Broadway. It's, it's yeah. a musical. 
yeah, it's, it's and, you know, I was I was born in 1977, and then ha- so not being a musical kid, I didn't really get a lot of stuff in the 80s. And then I went once I found music, I went straight into like choir stuff and classical stuff. And so I never really paid attention to a lot of grunge in the 90s or the or the uh, like the alt rock sort of stuff. And I never was too into pop. The most I ever got really into, like for like personal, like uh, just easy listening is like 70s singer songwriter Mm -hmm. type music. And and so going back to all of these like I got people that the 80s are their thing. For my brother, the 90s are his thing. If you saw our stuff from last week, it's like it was like all music from the 90s. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's where he's coming from. But you know, uh, all of this stuff, I've I've never really had a chance to give it a listen. And and people are like, are you? Have you really never heard Close to the Edge? I'm like, no, I never have uh, until until we heard it. And it, it's uh, and boy, what a piece that was. Mm-hmm. Wow. might you be know. a really uh not a loaded question but uh maybe even a dumb question but do you find you know a metal band more so than others is most symphonic to your mm. taste what you you went through that the you mo- you know we talked about dream theater iron maiden but mm-hmm. the one that you might find it's like oh yeah it's like a symphony going right do on. you um do you guys know nightwish do oh, you yeah. can do you consider them a metal band well, okay. I think they're considered symphonic metal. Symphonic right. metal, yeah. You know, yeah. So their their voicings are the most um, like orchestral that I've come across. A lot of these bands that are really guitar or bass driven write music that is specifically built for the uh, the how how the instrument actually fits in your in your hands. So the riffs that are on the guitar become the type of riffs that you might write to play. Versus if you're a, a keyboard player, then you might write things in a completely different approach. Um, so uh, I find that these bands that are really guitar heavy just rely on these riffs a lot. And then they don't, they may not know how to then go in and start breaking them down and like maybe we can do them backwards or we can bump it up an octave or we can make each, you know, each note longer or each note shorter, I can write counter melodies to it, all that sort of stuff. Uh, they end up just sort of doubling it and repeating things, um, and it becomes just that style. Wow. But uh, Nightwish is a real is really cool. Um, I I never knew that they existed uh, before this year, and uh, I've been into them. Yeah. Uh, Spock's beard and like uh, like Neil Morse. Uh, mm-hmm. I find I find their stuff the the little bit that I've gotten to listen to so far to be really lovely and quite melodic. Uh, uh, Neil's a real uh, has a real gift for for crafting melody, and even um, you know Dream Theater those guitar solos. I mean they're technical; they can be really virtuosic and technical. But 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 when he wants to play a really gut wrenching soulful melody, he can do it as well as anybody. You know, yeah. so there, there's lots of great stuff um, that uh, that I've come across. Excellent. Yeah. Thank Nightwish you. to me is one of, is also one of my favorite, like Nightwish, Dream Theater, Iron Maiden, like my three. That's the that's the three. And you what cover is, all those guys. So what is the draw to Iron Maiden? Uh, because so for me, it's not not to turn the tables on you guys, but um, <laughs> early on, 
Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, early on when my brother asked me, uh, said, you should do this. I said, all right, what song should I do? He said, uh, fear of the dark iron maiden. And I had no idea why he picked that one, mm-hmm. but he said, uh, he said, the iron maiden fans will find you. They, mm-hmm. they, they love anything iron maiden. And when, and when somebody who's not like, or, or somebody who's like a classical guy gives iron maiden credibility it makes them feel better about the band that they that they enjoy but uh, as i've listened to a lot of iron maiden i start finding their tricks and the way that they answer their musical questions and it's it's it they do a lot of the same things uh from song to song and i've i've kind of come up with a little like i i today i recorded um my iron maiden video that's going to drop tomorrow i did the, the brand new single Oh yeah, uh, Stratego, 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 and and towards the ending, towards the beginning, I said, "Hey, they were playing in their favorite key. Uh, if e you're minor. playing the Iron Maiden, <laughs> if you're playing the Iron Maiden drinking game, now is your time." You know, but it, right. it, it's it's not a um, it's not a knock on the band. It's just an observation of how often they go back to those open tunings on the guitars. Yeah. And it makes sense. They're a band that has three guitar players, which I don't know of any other band that has three like lead guitar players, wow. you know? So um, Iron Maiden has been a fun band for me to, uh, to get into. Uh, I really have come to admire uh, Bruce's uh, showmanship and his, and his vocals, yeah. Um, yeah. especially gosh, uh, this, this many years on, He's still just pumping it out. And um, I admire them for their longevity. They've got, this is what their 17th album. And uh, (laughs) it's, it's, and you know, they put the work in, they, they go out on tours that they bust their asses and uh, uh, they deliver every single time. uh, What's not to love, you know, Maiden is another band that you should see live as they're there. Gosh. Yeah, they're a different yeah. level. They're a they're a live band. Um, yeah. But to, to your question though, Doug, I think what appealed to me the very first song I heard, and I'm not sure how much other Maiden you've listened to that you haven't done reviews, but it was on the album Peace of Mind, and the very first track is called "Where Eagles Dare." Mm. And and I, I was a, I'm a self taught drummer, self taught guitarist. It's this great drum intro, and you know Maiden's got those galloping beats. And what I liked so much about Maiden the heavy aggressive sound, but their songs were not about drinking and getting laid they mm. were doing where eagles dare is based on the alistair mclean book you know the movie with clint eastwood and you know the world war ii saga where they're going to find you know hitler's uh, eagle's nest and 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 infiltrate it and they had a songs about dune and about you know uh, things that you know science fiction and fantasy history mythology and so it was like elevated themes and then the music kind of followed along with that and there was no other band like that that new wave of british heavy metal um, what was that song? I think it was off of Book of Souls. Uh, is it Empire of the Clouds? Yeah, Empire of the Clouds. Oh, yeah. I'm like, uh, yeah. what? What band writes about uh, an airship disaster from the <laughs> 40s? That's that's <laughs> that's right. cool. Yeah, and, and like, and I, I, I'm sure there are kids that that got you know that passed history classes because they learned Iron Maiden lyrics. <laughs> Or English yeah. class because of uh, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. we yeah. did that in English. I I, had, yeah. I did that same thing for uh, one of my intro to poetry classes my in my undergrad. There we you had go. to write down a poem. And I asked the teacher, can I write down the song instead? Because it's so long. She's mm-hmm. like, yeah, fine. So I wrote the whole song. <laughs> uh, but I think that's that's the appeal 
mm-hmm. for us metal guys is why we like them. And, you know, they've had yeah. their, their, you know, there's this arc and, and I think mm-hmm. we need to absorb the newer stuff for, for me, they're, they've had these, these moments of just greatness. Like you've played some songs off of seventh son of a seventh son. I've done half the yeah. album, <laughs> yeah, which, which is my favorite album. I think that was like the pinnacle of their, you know, they, they kind of worked up to that and then they kind of took a dip and then they came back, um, or other albums, something so off far, of, yeah. so far, those tracks I think are my favorites of the ones that I've heard, uh, besides yeah, empire of the clouds. I really did enjoy that mm-hmm. one as, as one of their, their later ones. Um, I, I really liked the, the, the nuance in that one, especially with the added keyboard in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I keep yeah. waiting for them to invite me to be the keyboardist, uh, for that. I, I could, <laughs> I could do that one. I think that would be awesome. Would be. <laughs> yeah. I could put on a black shirt just like everybody else. Sure. It's, it's fine. Sure. <laughs> Wait, can you, you wear know? leotards like Iron Maiden, though? Yeah, there you go. Yes, yeah. spandex. Well, they've kind of moved away from that in more recent years. Yeah, there used to be a, a lot of spandex from Bruce Dickinson. Yeah, don't wear the frog outfit. Back in the eighties, it was a lot of spandex. <laughs> well, now that we're we're talking about you know your YouTube channel, Doug. I mean, what has been the most rewarding aspect of doing these music reaction videos? Hearing from people that it helped get them through uh, like dark times during the pandemic has been it just blows my mind away because i was in a very dark place uh about this time last year when i started this in fact we, uh, like just a few days ago was our one year anniversary of the first daily doug and uh i had lost you know two of my three part-time jobs uh, because of covid and in other circumstances and i'm like what the hell's gonna happen and uh can starting to connect with people it you know, I was really jaded on music for, for a time, you know, as a choir person, you know, and somebody that sings in choirs, that directs choirs, that writes vocal music. And that's kind of what I get paid to do typically when we're told uh, you can't do that anymore, like at all. I'm like, well, do we sit at home and twiddle our thumbs? What do we do? Right. So there's been people that have told me like uh, that, that have complimented that I have like a nice approach or, or a personable nature and they turn on the videos and they feel like they're uh, among friends and you get to kind of uh, escape from other, um, you know, stresses for a little bit and just concentrate on some art. And, um, and the, the community that we've built here is, is so supportive and they're just really great people. I think our, um, our internet, our uh, comments section is one among the nicest on the internet. Truly is. <laughs> and, and uh, on our Patreon, we have a, a private discord. Uh, it's, uh, it's like a subreddit. Uh, it's like a private daily Doug subreddit for people that are, that are on uh, uh, that are patrons. And we talk about, food and concerts and we argue about albums back and forth and it's but everybody it's so supportive and just really really great people uh that's That's been the most the most rewarding thing great that's great i i did have a question you have mentioned this a couple times and i'm a metal guy uh i mean i like all kinds of music uh, Mm -hmm. but i do i do really enjoy metal and being a metal drummer for much of my life. I know you don't like double bass drumming. The double kick drum? I can see it. Like the double right. kick. <laughs> and I want to know what it is about it that you don't like. And, 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 or can you understand why metal fans do like it? Of course I do. So um, <laughs> I will, I will give you a real answer. Okay. Yeah, uh, because I, because I have thought about this. So anymore, 
when I mentioned the double kick, it's kind of shtick. Okay. Uh, like when I was in, in the Metropolis video, I was like, hey, double kick, drink. You know, it, it, it was, um, I try not to piss off the drummers because I know it is, a very it is a very technical thing to know how to do. And trust me, as a keyboard player, the last person you want to piss off is the drummer. Um, you know, the lead singer, you, they're fine. You know, but the, if the drummer make, is mad at you, then you're in trouble. Um, here's my thing. When I hear that that double kick that goes on and on and on and on and on, as a composer, in my mind, I think that uh, the intent is to add power and intensity to that particular passage. And in my mind, doing that actually takes away the intensity. How does it do um, that? I'm intrigued. Because uh, to me, it's, it, it's, it's the exact opposite. To me, it... Right. It, does, it pushes it even into a, a more in, it, intense experience. It's whenever something happens uh, in my mind that's just that that's becomes automatic and stays, and it's a very quick sort of thing. It becomes oh, the okay. most prominent thing that happens. I right. Saw. So, like when I oh, hear Derry Canny, uh, sorry, uh, Danny Carey. Danny Carey. Thank you. Uh, when I hear Danny Carey uh, in in some of Tools videos or their their stuff do like a double kick drum for maybe six or seven or eight beats and then go into something else. He's used it as a, a filler or a lead in to something else instead of a bass palette uh, to underscore an entire section of, of the piece. Oh. And that I'm perfectly fine with when I hear okay. people that goes and, and they're just going and going and going. Yeah. I'm like, cool, they can do that. Uh, to me, I, the, the, the piece loses uh, I think uh, I think of I start thinking about all the other things that they could have been doing to uh, enhance the rhythm or or feed into other things or do something syncopated or mm -hmm. anything that's not just the exact same uh, repetitive sort of sound. Okay. Uh, you don't hear it very often in classical music, uh, but when they do use it, sparing the more sparingly something like that is used, uh, I think the more um, impact that it has so uh to, if it gets overused to me then i'm like eh, could it's you like have a done little something bit of spicy mustard not a whole lot <laughs> right it is true okay it's true okay yeah well, on, on the so that, that's my point of view on that and uh i'm not completely against it plus um my particular ears my sensibility i'm not used to that right mm -hmm. i'm historically not as used to that so when it starts mm -hmm. i'm like holy I mean, you have to, yeah. <laughs> it just kind of blows me out of the water and it gets me off from where I was thinking. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So it kind of takes me out of the piece. Yay. Okay. <laughs> for, for, uh, I, I mean, it makes I, total sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. It makes total yeah. sense. You're as you're approaching it as a classical piece, you mm -hmm. know, tool is a very different style of band than like Slayer. For sure. You know, I it, also understand though, that as uh, for people that have metal sensibilities that they're like, yes, <laughs> Right, I'm gonna get them. You know, yeah, we like, were we remember when the double bass began. You know, when yeah, bands right. started using double bass, and it was just mind blowing at the time. Like, yeah. wow, you, you know, you can't un yes, more, more. <laughs> right, you gotta hear Angel of Death. You cannot hear it without the double bass. You know, sure. I mean, exactly. Dave Lombardo was like one of the early proponents of this speed mm -hmm. double bass stuff, and and now you know it's become just part of drumming, but it's a lot of bands, depending on the style of metal, there is that kind of syncopated stuff. Like you're going to hear on Opeth, where you're mm. going to hear it reserved, and it's going to be matching with the rhythms of the guitars and the melodies. For but sure. then Slayer, being the speed metal band they are, that's part of 
what makes that genre or aspect of the genre what it is you know so no i just want to get your feedback and, and i appreciate that yeah fair enough well, it's uh, no hard, no hard feelings. No, no, not, <laughs> not at all. No, I'm just understanding. No, I think it's Thanks great. For clarification. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great because I, I appreciate that you're bringing these sensibilities to listening to these songs, mm-hmm. and and it's it's nice that we can we can share that because to me that yeah. was what was so exciting. Like, you know, and it took me much longer to get into symphonic music and classical music. So, you know, I I appreciate that we're kind of coming to the same place from sure. different aspects. I, well, I, I think also, you know, it goes right along the lines like David Gilmore, Pink Floyd's that interview that less is more. And, you know, he has such great sustain on certain notes and stuff. But in that one note, what he had the meaning behind it, you know, he doesn't have to do like double bass, let's say, you know, and everything else to get that point across that one note and that sustain, it sends a whole different message. So right along with what Doug was talking about with sometimes it's overkill with mm. double bass and mm-hmm. you know and, and thanks for his clarification on and no, i've no. had and i've had so many composition teachers uh tell me uh you need to write you know the right number of notes if you can say something in in uh eight notes don't don't use 12 because it muddles the message and so for us it's all about refining once i get a musical idea it's like how can i do that differently how can that that approach so i start asking all those questions so when i hear uh, a drummer go to that and then stick with it for a while. I'm like, I started asking myself, what could they have done differently? What might I have done differently as a, like writing a percussion part? Uh, because I love writing percussion parts in, in orchestral settings. They're just fun to, to try to figure out how to do They're also very difficult to, to try to communicate to these uh, orchestral players, you know, what to hit and what to hit it with and when and how hard. And then, oh, you have to put that instrument down. You have to go over to this instrument. You have to give them enough time to get there, you know, and then you pick up this ballot and then you start hitting that with those instruments. So it becomes very tricky to uh, write that. It also is very tricky to write trap set parts, you know. So it's uh, it's one of those things where, you know, you just, you just kind of uh, work as hard as you can. Thank you, Doug. I apologize for that. Dog was going off in the background. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Uh, so has listening to all of this hard rock and metal influenced your own musical composition like are we going to see a, a choral work set to some kind of opeth like sounds one of these mm. days you know mm. um i i haven't written much since all this started because i've been so busy trying to keep up with it i'm like oh there's demand here i haven't had demand for much that i've done for a while like demand like this so i think i'm going to write this way for a while so I haven't written much new music in the last you know half half year, but there's some things that these bands are doing that um, is helping inform me. Oh, that's a different tool that I can use if I need to have this sort of sound. Oh, that you know, especially the Iron Maiden song that uh, that uh, the the new one, Stratejo, that uh, I recorded for tomorrow. It's in E minor, but they've got this opening. They start on the E, they go up to a B, which is a fifth higher, right? Like the the power chord. And then they play a B flat. And it becomes this diminished fifth. I'm like, that's interesting. I uh, Writing a diminished fifth on a tonic chord is not something that I would normally do. But if you're uh, bringing about conflict, an unresolved conflict, because that B flat doesn't resolve right? Cool. They set the perfect fifth and then they give you the tritone. It's like, ha, 
right? There's some shit that's about to go down and then it's unresolved. And then the very next chord, they go back to another tritone over the C. And then that one resolves like optimistically where the other one is left unresolved. I'm like, oh, we can respond to these conflicts uh, pessimistically or, um, you know, with, with hope. And, and, and I'm tying it back to some of the lyrics that are in there. And I, but it, in the background, I'm thinking that I can, I can do some of that stuff. If I ever need to have that in a choral setting, how might I voice that? I've also been reminded of just how powerful the pentatonic scale actually is. And a lot of these bands, especially Tool, listening to Tool last Friday, you know, just these riffs that they're just playing. And Tool just, you know, that that piece, uh, Tempest, I listened to. Mm-hmm. They're just hanging out on D minor for just a long time. And it's just playing the riffs. And then they start uh, playing over it. Just unbelievable stuff. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm taking notes for sure. Uh, the, one of the other things hey. that is 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 tricky, or, or uh, that I've I've appreciated about all this music is, uh, it seems to me like these guys aren't trying to um, like reinvent the wheel every time they write a song. And for a long time, especially with my compo- uh, my compositions, I was trying like, what have I not done? that nobody else has ever done and how can I fit that into this piece and in the 21st century it's been done you know with if, with these 12 notes in our equal temperate system it's been done so just just write your music don't try to figure out what is new or old or or uh, in style or not or what hasn't been done or what hasn't and if you've used that in a previous piece but you want to use it here go right ahead it's your music um, it's, uh, the, um, the personal sort of, uh, freedom, uh, that these artists are, are putting out and the courage that they have to put out th- their stuff. It's, uh, it's commendable and I am taking notes. Nice. Yeah. Once that metal gets in your bones, it's like a fungus, <laughs> a fungal growth. You're, you're not yes. going to get rid of it. I'm relatively you know, it, it's in there. Yeah. Like, I don't like if, if there's one instrument that I really don't know how to write for, it's the guitar. You know, the, the, because the guitar tis not in a symphony orchestra uh, most of the time. Yeah. And uh, so you, you get you learn how to write for the clarinets and the oboes and the trumpets and the horns and all the saxophones. Occasionally, if you're writing for bands, you know, and you learn all the transpositions and ranges and and all that sort of stuff. And the guitars are over there just just jamming and they're mm-hmm. and and um, they either just want a chord chart or they're playing unbelievable virtuosic stuff that I could never write for them anyway. <laughs> so it's it's very tricky for me. It's like I, it, I'm in a space that I don't really technically, from like the technical playing of the instrument, understand as much as a guy like Rick Beato on YouTube who has a great channel and he's a guitarist and and can play these licks back to us. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's really fun to watch him work as well. You know, Doug, maybe along those lines also, I have a question for you because I'm a self-taught guitar player mm-hmm. and uh, playing since 13. I'm average, but I noticed like it's taken me a long time. Like it's been months since I picked up the guitar. Again. It's a lack of confidence or a lack of like a writer's block thing. Like I just, you know, it, it's hard for me to pick it up again. Is there any advice to that that, you know, like you can give and say, you know, hey, just just start picking up, start wailing, start doing, you know, anything well, that you know when you go through other musicians and stuff that struggle with that a little bit or one thing that helps me is is um just to practice and, and practice improving. 
when when COVID, uh, when, when we were home, like with COVID, I, the one thing that I did have access to was our church and, and nobody was ever there. And it has a really nice grand piano. So I would go over on most nights and just play. And, cool. and Megan, my wife, at one point said, you should just put a, a microphone out and start, you know, and just roll tape. And I've got just a rudimentary little mic here. And not like really great stuff, but I would just roll tape and I'm like, okay, it's cool. So um, what would happen if you hit the voice recorder on your uh, iPhone and set it down and then just started playing? Like what type? And and you have to get into the mindset of whatever you just played is right because it exists. And now how am I going to react to it? So even if it's a wrong note, it's like a Bob Ross painting. It becomes a happy accident, right? So you just color, you just color over it because it, it's an improv. And then that happens. So you can go on to the next thing. And, and it be, you, you'll just get to trust your own instincts a little bit better. And, and, you, and you'll learn that you know, just by just reaction or intuition, you'll, you'll find the notes that need to come next. And, uh, that's what I, that's where I typically go. If I have writer's block or if I don't, if I'm stuck, I'll just start in a completely different thing. I'll, I'll put that pie down and let it cool over here and I'll start another cake and, and just, just play and see, and see what sounds you come up with. And if you're recording it, you can go back and say, what was that? That was cool. <laughs> you know, how did I hit that chord? And then try to figure out what you did. But, um, that would be my suggestion is just you know, just, just practice. Just, and if you know that, that, that some device is picking up what you're playing, uh, then it makes it more of a game. It makes it fun. And, uh, and you always have the ability to completely erase it too, if you want to, but it, 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 it gets you to, it just gets the flow going again with, without any pressure. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Appreciate no problem. That. Part of the joy of watching your reaction videos when someone begins to pick up and identify the same elements of the a song or a band that you love and they start going oh yeah I, and, and picking it up there's something really very satisfying about that like it's like you want to share what you love with someone else so much that when they finally get it you're like ah okay <laughs> this is good i don't know if you were aware of that aspect the relationship between the viewer sure. and the producer that's what's so satisfying on this end is mm -hmm. other than your, your musical ability and, and just kind of deconstructing a song now that you've done this music reaction videos to a lot of these bands are you in, listening to them now outside of doing the reaction like is rush on your playlist now are you are you listening yeah. to ginger you know like yeah. on your own well not that particular band uh uh, much, but I have started to listen to more of these bands. In fact, you know, uh, I listened to Camel for the first time, like last week, and I thought that was really cool. And and uh, I thought, you know, I'm probably never going to go back to like their very first album because it's all instrumental. So I just put it on the other night and just had a bottle of wine and chilled to it. It was wonderful, oh. right? Uh, and that's part of the issue too, because I'm like, okay, should I? Should I not listen to something and save it as a reaction, or should I just go ahead and listen to it? And that's that's an added element that's become quite uh, weird <laughs> right. to have to deal with. Uh, but I've also had people say it's okay if it's not a first reaction. If you know the song and you can break it down for us, that's that's fine too. Uh -huh. So I've mm -hmm. done some of those as well. In fact, uh, the Ghost of Tom Joad that we did last week. I mean, that's a song that I've heard 
many, many times, but I wanted to come out and, and, and compare the different versions of it. It was very mm-hmm. fun nice. to do that. Uh, when the, the, the most I've ever got, uh, people have mentioned to your point uh, was the close to the edge video. When I said something about, uh, Oh, there's an organ in there. They're like, just you wait because it's going to, it's, it's going to knock you over. And it, it did, you know, so people have said, they're just sitting there. He's going to get to this part. And I know he's going to get to this part. I want to see what happens when he gets to this part. So I know that there's that sort of element to it. Yes. I've also had people that are also listening to these songs for the first time themselves appreciate uh, sort of a guided tour through the song. And then they can listen to it on their own after the fact and be like, yeah, I remember that. He said that. That's cool. You know, so it, it, either way, it works. For me, yeah. it's just like being in the classroom. Oh, that's cool because especially in a band like ginger when you hear tatiana break into that death metal growl uh, if you're not expecting that like on pisces which is the song yeah. that a lot of people have gotten into i've done that one you. yes you have yeah and, and i like that moment when she first starts going the death metal growl and like you see that surprise <laughs> that's that's rapturous because uh i'm not used to hearing women singing that death metal sound but although there are other bands out there like that but I find Ginger be super exciting because all the syncopation and, and just the odd time signatures and they yeah. are just, they're just really interesting. It's not, it doesn't get repetitive and boring, um, but it's nice to see that reaction, you know, for sure. But yeah, that, that was like my hobby for two months, just watching Pisces reaction videos. <laughs> some <laughs> yeah, some of them were priceless. <laughs> you, you can't, you can't fake a, uh, uh, an honest reaction. I uh-huh. mean, and, you know, I, I, I talk with my brother uh, a lot because he, he really is invested in these. He's like, you should have done this or you should have said that. I'm like, you know, if I did a reaction video to the same song uh, 10 different times, I'd have 10 completely different reactions. It's I'm just saying what pops into my head at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a song I did by Haken a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I... I meant to talk about some of their really neat vocal lines at the beginning of that uh, Cockroach King song. It was really cool. And I ended up just not. And I got to the end of, I was editing it. I'm like, didn't I talk about that? <laughs> well, crap. I can't go back and do it again because it's, it's not a free action anymore. Right. So it's, it's, it's just, you know, you just hit, hit the record button and uh, see what happens. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Awesome. Uh, who's your favorite composer? Ooh. Um, or, or maybe it'd be better if I asked if you could go back in time to see one historical composer conduct one piece of music. Oh gosh. That's a who, whole different question. Yeah. Well, okay. There um, we go. Well, the, the, the answer that I normally give to the favorite uh, composer question is Mendelssohn, Felix Mendelssohn. And uh, the reason why I say that is um, in sort of the, uh, the the mature era of European concert music, like uh, what we consider classical music, you have uh, four main sort of um, eras. You have the Renaissance and then uh, the, the Baroque era, the classical era, the Romantic era, right? And each of these uh, has different sorts of sensibilities. You know, Bach and Handel from the Baroque era, their music sounds a certain way. Vivaldi is the same way. You know, uh, those are three uh, uh, writers from like the mature part of that of that era. Uh, then you get into like uh, Haydn and Mozart. 
which are more melodic and it's more uh, it's simple, like four measure phrases that are easier to follow and not quite as virtuosic is all the moving lines from the Baroque era that, that were uh, part of that style. You move into then a response to all of those uh, straight, you know, sort of simple, not simple, but, um, you know, more easily digestible melody and accompaniment style of music from the classical era and you get into the, the the romantic era and they start stretching those forms and dealing with they get a little bit more instrumentation the orchestras get a little bit bigger they get they add more percussion into it and Mendelssohn for me who is uh, working in the early to mid uh, 1800s is sort of a synthesis of that baroque sensibility uh, the classical sensibility and the romantic sensibility. And I really, I've never met a piece by his that I didn't like. I think he's uh, underrated. Uh, I mean, he's wildly known, but way underrated as, as a composer uh, when it comes to like in that top echelon that everybody else always points to. Uh, love his music. In terms of like, what would I want to go back and watch somebody conduct? I'd want to watch uh, Gustav Mahler conduct his second symphony with me in the choir uh i i got to do i got to do the the resurrection symphony at, at carnegie hall one time and it's a life-changing experience it's a it's it's one of the best symphonies it's one it's one of my favorite symphonies it's it's a long piece it's over an hour wow. uh, but boy if you ever want to be moved by a piece of classical music listen to the last movement of Mahler's second symphony. That's where the chorus mainly comes in. And it's, it's baller. It's really, really, really cool. Thanks. Uh, it just occurred to me as you were talking, I don't know, this may be something you could uh, consider <laughs> around Christmas time, but I don't know if you reacted to any Trans-Siberian orchestra. Um, I haven't reacted to them. them live. I, I know their stuff. I mean, I've heard uh, there's actually being from Omaha. Uh, I'm, that's also where Mannheim Steamroller is from. Gotcha. And so I know uh, Chip Davis, and I've and I know Jackson Berkey, who who's who's played in that uh, group for a long time, and, as well as Jackson's wife, and 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 so I know kind of of that genre of music, and so I've heard a lot of Trans-Siberian Orchestra. That'd be fun to do around around December. Yeah, sometime. yeah, yeah. And there, a lot of those guys came from a, a metal band called Sabotage. Hmm. Um, as well as their producer, who was that was kind of his his whole love child was the Trans Siberian Orchestra project, uh, Paul O'Neill. So totally um, works. Yeah, I mean, we did uh, okay. uh, a couple weeks ago. I, the band Accept was was doing a cover of the Moldau uh, by uh, Smetana uh, or Smetana, I should say, and uh, a Czech composer. And it was a really, really well done uh, cover of that. I mean, if you get a classical piece, it's got a really great melody. There's no reason why a guitar can't play it. You know? Have you done any reactions to some of the metal bands that have done uh, concerts with uh, orchestras accompanying them, live orchestras like Metallica, their S&M stuff, or Dream I, Theater did some stuff with live orchestras? So I think uh, Illumination Theory Yep. Uh, I did with from their uh, D, from Dream Theater's right. DVD uh, with the Boston Orchestra, some one of the Boston orchestras. Uh -huh. um, I've done a couple of the S and M, uh, one of the newer S and M, and one of the older S and M from Metallica. Um, uh, I need to get into more of that uh, though. Uh, there's not a ton that I know of that sound really, really good. 
Yeah, it's uh, kind of hit and miss, really. I tried to do one with Steve Vai uh, at the like the proms, like the BBC proms, and the the orchestra just wasn't mic'd very well at all. So that's that's a, a logistical issue when you get an amplified instrument like the like the electric guitar playing in and generally an acoustic ensemble uh, it becomes quite uh, a, an added level layer of, of complexity to get the instrument to actually you know have some cohesion yeah. with with the rest of the ensemble chop top is fading to black over there yes getting darker yeah, let, me, uh, let me get some light on i apologize i'm trying to yeah. <laughs> it's the daily doug after dark. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> here, I'll, here i'll join you there's there's my uh my ring light is off go. now there we go here yeah <laughs> I'm going to switch gears a little bit since we are heavy metal horror. And I yes. just want to ask you, are, are you into horror at all? Horror movies, horror movies? movies? Yeah. No, I'm a big old scaredy cat. Okay. <laughs> like when I was a kid, I was freaked out by the Goonies. Oh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. The Goonies. Yeah. I'm like, guys, bullet holes. <laughs> so uh, I guess asking about the exorcist is probably way off base there. I, I have <laughs> but, seen it i have seen it but it's been decades yeah <laughs> well i that was going to be an intro or segue into you know movie scores mm. uh, and you know there are some really classically well well-known musical scores mm -hmm. uh, but do you have a favorite movie score something that really moves you or that you when you listen to it's like oh my god i can't believe this was done just for a movie you know something like that let me answer that this way uh you know john williams is one of our our best american composers of of all time right um even though he uh he's a quote-unquote movie composer but uh he there's two scores that he did that are diametrically opposed to each other and they're both brilliant um, one is this little movie with Tom Hanks called Catch Me If You Can. Mm -hmm. It's really jazzy and really spunky. And then you listen to something like Schindler's List and it just oh, oh. breaks you, right? The, the music in that and, and the, the solos by Itzhak Perlman are just gut-wrenching and breathtaking. And, and that movie is, is, part, is perfect, you know, because, partly because of the score. So those scores are really, really uh, phenomenal. Um, I also like stuff like, you know, when like the Forrest Gump soundtrack has all those classic songs on it, you know, uh, how, how great was that to be able to just to have a basically an Americana greatest hits of that era all in one, you know, CD back when, you know, before we had all of the streaming stuff really grounds grounds the movie in the in the viewer in that time frame absolutely a, a lot of nostalgia absolutely uh, which is what you get in the you know soundtrack to the guardians of the galaxy that kind of thing you know you're in this what, great 70s music like oh it's wonderful yeah, right, right? Mm -hmm. and one of the things that i'll i'll lift up like it's 2021 right so uh i i'm on the board of a re uh, little regional orchestra and uh, one of the board members was like, we should uh, just do a piece like a, like we're celebrating our 50th year. Uh, we should do a piece that was premiered 50 years ago. Th you would be hard pressed to find a playable piece of concert or orchestral music worth anything that was written in 1971. Because the classical composers had like the typical like classical composers had were, were continuing this tangent into like music concrete like and uh avant-garde and stuff that really wasn't melodic and stuff that really mm -hmm. wasn't designed for 
uh, a 19th century ensemble like the or like the symphony orchestra but where people were writing that stuff was in movie scores that's where they all went so the people like that style of music never left it just kind of went to where the movies were and then this kind of went off on a different tangent the 20th century uh for music you know kind of just fractured into all of these different streams you've got jazz you got country you got you know rock that, that comes in and then you still have like you know all these different classical stuff people are still writing baroque style music renaissance style music and like chant stuff from like earlier on and it just all becomes a sort of their own lane and all of these uh composers that were wanting to write these big uh sweeping movie scores or, or these musical scores that had really great melodies and, and lovely harmonies found a home in movies. And so that's, that's where all that stuff kind of lives mm -hmm. anymore. And, it's, it's come full circle a little bit where, where it's coming back and, and you could find many other examples since then, but in that little pocket of time in the late sixties and then like early seventies there, uh, you'll be hard pressed to find like a really good, just symphony hanging out yeah. that that people would pay to come watch yeah and i think of an example of that is like the soundtrack the planet of the apes which is sure. all full of discordant percussion and and strange instrumentation i think it's just you know to represent the uh, topsy-turviness of this world that the astronauts came across you absolutely know? and it speaks to that and and that's one thing i think i love about movies so much when i think of like you know, growing up as a horror kid, I used to love watching the Universal movies, you know, Dracula and Frankenstein and stuff. Mm. Those scores, the Hans Zimmer scores, um, are just you know wonderful. And then Hammer films in the fifties and sixties, again, these big sweeping Baroque style, you know, kinds of scores that they stay yeah. with me. And like man, like I love listening to Henry Mancini. His stuff is just just sumptuous. It's really you know and. Uh, there's there's lots of these uh, artists that that find their way and and it's it's the it's a direct outgrowth of in music what we would call a tone poem like the composer Franz Liszt was kind of the father of the tone poem which which we mean uh, by that like a, a a programmatic piece of concert music so like the theme to 2001 is from one of those tone poems and they just reused it right so you would have these these 18 minute, 20 minute pieces, even longer that were just storytelling through music, but just concert music uh, and, and before movies existed. So movie scores existed before movies. Uh, now we just get uh, that, that really fantastic art form that puts it all together. And nowadays, even video games. So there are some video games that have just incredible pieces of music in them and scores and, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm largely outside of the, of the gaming industry, but people have shared with me some, some really fantastic music and it takes a different style of, of writing. You have to, it has to like have character motifs mm -hmm. and also has to be loopable so that if you're in something, it can keep True. you like engaged, right? Well, yeah. if the music's continuing to go, maybe I should still be playing, you know? So it's, it's a uh, whole different way of, of connecting with an audience hmm. when it's interactive like that. Sure. Changing gears back to reaction videos. Sure. We have only a few questions left, I think. Uh, what kinds of music are you looking forward to reviewing? You know, like are there genres that you really want to explore more of or, or bands that you have heard of and you're looking forward to review? Because I think we could probably all 
would all ask you like say oh you know uh try this like what what dreadbull had done before i had to yeah i know i know i know we we all have suggestions (laughs) for you i'm still in the mode of trying to play catch up so my brain hasn't really gone to uh like long-term planning or i'd really like to do this or i'd really like to do that i'm just really saying i'm just trying to keep all of the juggling of of all these different styles and luckily i've connected with with a couple different little subgenres of fans where i get like some some like prog people going where the hell is yes in genesis and like the metal fans are going you know it's it's been like eight days since you've done an iron maiden video come on you know and uh, i i am finding i'm starting to get people from from uh places on the planet that i'm not as familiar with sending me stuff from bands from like israel from chile from like hungary and russia and i'm like this is some cool stuff so i'm thinking about branching in uh branching out Mm -hmm. into like non-american non like like western europe centric music just just uh so it can be new to all of us uh that that's that's really something that uh i would like to get into um just to round out uh, a little bit of what we're currently doing oh nice. your viewers will keep you busy forever there will never be yes a, forever a yeah yes <laughs> yeah I, I was just gonna just suggest I, I don't think you've ever done anything by merciful fate or king diamond have you done a reaction to i have heard of king diamond i would ask politely <laughs> to consider okay. doing there's a great live version of sleepless nights which is a, a good song diamond um, sleepless yes yeah, it's a youtuber performance um and and if you're gonna do a merciful fate, that was Diamond's band before he split off and did a solo thing. There's okay. a, a song called Fifteen Men and a Bottle of Rum, which 15? I think is yeah, and which is a pretty great bottle song. Yeah. of rum. That's not much rum for each man. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but we will still well, we give it a listen. It right, right. So, yeah. Oh, listen, um, guys, do you have any more questions for Doug? No, I'm uh, looking at my list here. So I've got one note here. So I started jotting down notes and and questions Mm. two, three weeks ago. And I don't know what I was thinking here, but it just says Nightwish with a big exclamation point. I don't know what that, what I was getting at, what I meant by that. Maybe I was in some kind of weird state of mind. I probably did that early at work one morning, but I don't know. Anyway, Nightwish. Nightwish. I I so I, I, if I remember right, uh, Fear of the Dark was my very first one. And then we did Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. That was my second ever. And then I did, uh, I think, a Tool piece and an Opeth piece because that was influenced. All those were influenced by my brother. And then after that, uh, the, the first one the, or the next one was the, the Nightwish uh, Ghost Love score. And it was oh, yeah. the first time I had ever heard uh, Floor sing. And I was She's just incredible. Uh, like she could sing Led Zeppelin and I'd be happy about it. I, I actually, I'd rather hear her sing than Robert Plant any day. <laughs> she is amazing. Yeah. I was a big yeah. fan of hers back when she had her, one of her early bands is called after forever. Yeah. And I think she joined that band. She's like 16 years old or something ridiculous. Yeah. Really, really young. Unbelievable. And, uh, vocally talented. And the way that she can really change her, um, her vocal approach based on where she is in her range and, and what the, the music needs is outstanding plus the fact that she can like belt like a high a flat yeah yeah mm-hmm. bonus yeah <laughs> like th- there's there's a lot of bands that would you know 
be very happy with a lead singer that can handle it. Yeah, she was oh. my choice when their original singer left. I was like, please mm. get Flora Jansen, like you know, and mm. they didn't, but they did eventually. So all in all, yeah, yeah great, uh, great stuff. Really, mm-hmm. Older Queens rank, take hold of the flame. You know that you get to hear Jeff Tate in his. Oh yeah, range. that'd be a good yeah. one. Yeah, he's got a yeah, great like, range. Like the for a long time, the only thing from Queensrÿche that I ever knew was Silent Lucidity, and then, like yeah. I had no idea that Operation Mindcrime existed. Oh, right. Man. Yeah, that's the yeah. that's their pinnacle. But uh, yeah, and if 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 you want to um, if you want to punish yourself for something, and you want to hear a song with really 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 fast double bass drums, I'm going to suggest I'm ready for this. Nile, yeah, Nile, the blessed dead. The blessed dead. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> sounds about right for some double yeah. kick drum. Yeah, uh, and if you want to watch the drummer, the, he, his name is George Coleus, K O L L I A S. He has plenty of videos. We're just watching him play over top of the tracks. Uh, it's like a, his feet are like machine guns. Mm. It, it is insane. So, uh, but it's not just straight blasts for five minutes. It's sure. it, he's all over the kit, uh, blazing speed. But anyway. There, there are some suggestions for you, Doug. Awesome. Um, well, you've yeah. gone way over yeah. your, your suggestion limit. Here, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I, I got to be done. Well, let's hear from one. Chop Top. I mean, yeah, come what, on, Chop. Come on. Something out there, man. Yeah, other suggestions. Oh, boy. What a, Garth well, Brooks. Uh, okay. Garth Brooks. <laughs> you, uh, you, you, you know, you, you answer. I mean, I'm a huge, probably my, my number one favorite band's Iron Maiden of all time. So. Awesome. Gosh, I, I there's some suggestions that I, you know, same things out of the tool was very interesting. I love your reviews on tool and Danny Carey's just a monster. He's like, they're a great band. Uh, they're as rhythmically advanced as any ensemble I've ever seen. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, really powerful. Do you like the, do you like the new stuff you've heard so far on the iron maiden album? Uh, or are you kind of the reserving judgment for the rest of the, Mm -hmm. for the, you know, thank you for that. I I pre-ordered the album. So it's coming out Friday, but, I, I did enjoy it. Writing on the wall is different. There's a southern kind of rock riff to it, mm-hmm. and uh, something in Stratego, eh, typical Maiden Fair, but still enjoyable. I was still enjoying these two tracks more than Book of Souls overall. Book of Souls, I was excited when it first came out, and after like a year, I'm just like, <sighs> I've also I, just, I don't go back to it as much. Let me I've also that. noticed from looking at the track listing, which is now available online, and the like the duration of the tracks. The two that they've released are are two of the shorter pieces that are on both of the, they've got some nice 10 minute plus yeah, tracks yeah. yeah that that we haven't heard yet so i'm really curious to see what uh what's hiding or what's available to us the other thing that i read today when i read in and did the strategio um reaction is that they recorded that in 2019 and it's just been sitting there mm-hmm. until it this comes out. out right yeah because of the pandemic and stuff like that right right yeah, so yeah, uh, I guess that's why it's a double there. album. So yeah, they locked it up. Uh, amazingly, there was no leaks at all. Uh, they locked it. They recorded in France, and uh, yeah, it's just amazing. This day and age, it was not a single leak. Cool. Yeah, we'll probably do a review show of that uh, at yeah, some yeah, point absolutely. in your future. Dreadpool and I both both kind of feel similarly about the last few albums that Maiden has put out. It's it's still Maiden. It's not as exciting as some of their other previous works it kind of hits the level quickly and then stays at a kind of stays flat you know plana gets there and then doesn't go anywhere once it's there and it gets a little repetitive but but uh you know that's mature it's mature maiden it's something yeah it's something but it and then but we could say that as fans it's not like we don't like we love the band so we're just trying to be honest and 
we know what we're used to, but we also are willing to, we, we, they've gone into a prog journey. Like if you listen to the album, a matter of life and death um, and great album. Yeah. Yeah. Great album. And uh, final frontier, a lot of like really, truly proggy stuff on that album, which, mm-hmm. you know, some maiden fans have been screaming, Oh, you're going prog. I, I love that when a band can grow and I'm willing to, to grow with them. Sure. Know? Like rush, they've all gone through stages and yeah, but, you know, I, I love to see that. So I'm I mean, you too, you too has managed to do that relatively successfully throughout their career as mm-hmm. well. You know, they, mm-hmm. there's some of their albums sound completely different, you know, than the previous one and cool. Good on you. Yeah. Yeah. I, my favorite era of U2 is the first couple, three albums up through war there. I like that raw sound, just like guitar, yeah. bass and drums. Back when, just, back when they were learning how to play their instruments. Exactly. Yeah. Precisely. And it sounds like that, but see, there's, I, there's an honesty to it because when you get to the time when you get to like Octoon baby and disc, you know, discotheque, mm. it's so overly produced. And I know they're having fun with themselves, a little tongue in cheek, sure. but it's, it's like a completely different band. And the elements yeah. that I liked about that band have, you know, the gig got lost. And um, so when I listen to you too, it's October, it's war, you know, it's, it's those early albums that I'll go back. I mean, I mean, bad is my favorite song of theirs and it's mm-hmm. only got two chords. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about the complexity. It's, right. it's, it's about, can you deliver the lyric and, and how does it move you? You know, and that one yep. it's, just rock solid and the joshua tree is like my favorite album of yes. theirs personally mm-hmm. talk gonna... music all night y'all yeah that's <laughs> fantastic we, we have had a great time to get to know you and um we just thank you again for all your reviews we're, we're gonna keep on watching we're fans and uh, we just really appreciate you spending some time with us thank you I appreciate it. And uh, I'd love to come back. If you guys want to like catch up some other yeah. time, just let me know. I, that would be awesome. We'd Absolutely. love to have you back anytime. Yeah. Thank yeah. You, Doug. Doug, would it be too much to ask you for a little bumper saying like, this is Doug Halvering and you're listening to heavy metal horror. Would that be too much? Sure. Let's see. Um, this is Doug Halvering and you have been listening to heavy metal horror. The best podcast that you've never heard before. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> nice. Thank you, That's perfect. You can find heavy metal horror on unsaneradio.com. You can listen to full episodes or download to your device. You can find us on Facebook at Heavy Metal Horror Podcast. On Instagram, look for Montag Lewis, M-O-N-T-A-G-L-E-W-I-S, one word. And our brand new YouTube page, Heavy Metal Horror Podcast. This has been Montag, Master of Illusion. And chopped up. And Dread Bull. And? And good old Doug Helfring. And you've been listening to Heavy Heavy Metal Metal. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Doug.